Welcome to episode 108 of the Ask Achieve Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Peck, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing improving lunge stability, transitioning from traditional strength training to power or Olympic lifting, and how to use progressive overload. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What is up, achievers? Um, let's see. It's Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah. We had a really cool in-service over the weekend for our staff, um, where we actually did, um, we met as a team, um, from 12 to like 5.30 it ended up being. Yeah. Um, and it, we kicked things off with a guest speaker, Lisa Lewis, who is a psychologist. Um, and she's also the wife of Tony Genicor, who is one of our early mentors back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so she came in and talked to us for two hours on just kind of like the psychology behind training, um, how it affects, how training can affect coaches, um, which I thought was a really interesting piece of the puzzle. She was just talking about like burnout and how to prevent burnout and um, how we as coaches, we kind of give a lot of ourselves to what we do and how to kind of manage that, um, which was a direction I wasn't expecting it to go, but it was really, it was very, very interesting to learn about that. Yeah, it was really helpful. And I think she's carving a nice little um, niche for herself in the fitness industry because it's... um, it's just a much needed topic that needs to be discussed about more and more because, you know, when working with people, there's a lot of just, there's so many more things to consider beyond just like physical capabilities, right? There's so much more than sets and reps and programming. And like, I think the fitness industry just tends to treat people like they're robots or machines without really taking into account emotions and thoughts and, mental states and just like all these different aspects of an overall person's well-being um that uh she was able to touch on a lot of that sort of stuff so it was great yeah it was really good and she talked a lot about motivation too and this part was really interesting to me just about like different like different forms of motivation and kind of how motivation is on this spectrum where at the bottom is just like you're doing it because you don't want to get in trouble, but like you don't want to do it at all kind of thing. (laughs) And then the top is this like intrinsic motivation that like you don't even care if anybody else sees that you do it. You're just so, you just love it so much. It's a part of who you are. And then there's all these different kind of ranges of motivation in the middle Mm -hmm. that, that it was really interesting to learn about. Like some of it could be, you aren't necessarily like in terms of going to the gym, like you aren't necessarily, you don't actually like to work out, but you know you like the feeling afterwards, and so that motivates you enough to overcome the fact that you don't like to work out. Yeah. So that's something that's like kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Or some people, I think, they, yeah, they, again, don't like working out, but it achieves some sort of effect that they like, whether that means that, you know, they're doing something for their health, or maybe they're doing um, something for, like, physical therapy purposes, like, to get rid of some sort of pain. Um, maybe it's to be able to play with their kids easier like there's uh, other levels of um motivation that might be underlying that you might be doing it even though you might not actually really like enjoy working out but you understand (laughs) that there are benefits and you'll begrudgingly do it to get the benefits yeah and it's like she talked about how a lot of personal trainers we just want for our clients for it to be intrinsic because it is for a lot of us right we're just like but don't you just love working out and like if we approach it like that like if we just try to get them the person that we're working with right to that that point of like like trying to force it on them that they're going to love fitness like you're gonna there's actually gonna be a huge disconnect there (laughs) um and so that was it was good to 
hear that and just kind of like remind it's, you it's, as a trainer that not everybody just loves working out <laughs> like you do. <laughs> it's actually funny. Uh, I mean, we've had so many members that they want to sh- like explain to their friends and family or whoever else they want to join Achieve, like how amazing Achieve is for them, right? Yeah. And they and they initially started off like real like coming out hot out of the gates of like you have to join is the best place ever it's amazing like you like you get such great results and then now like they'll tell us like i'm playing the long game i <laughs> planted a couple seeds i'll plant a couple more next time i see them and then maybe in a couple weeks i'll also say something else and then kind of like real slowly like play it real cool basically like we've had so many members yeah. being like i was i was trying to be really cool about the whole thing and not make it seem like it was this big cult <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty funny <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, so that was our weekend. Um, it was really fun. And now we're excited to get into the podcast. Yeah. So the first one, first question is from Deborah Z. Becker. And she said, how can I improve lunge stability? Remove the wobble. Remove the wobble. <laughs> Remove the wobble. Um, yeah, this is a really good question. I mean, there are, are a number of reasons why someone might wobble or be a little bit unstable during lunges. Um, lunges are a little bit of a, a, a difficult movement because you are covering a lot of ground and you are in a much more reduced base of support. Um, so there's two real main options here. One is you could um, uh, reduce the range of motion. So let's say you're doing a lunge and your knee is touching down all the way down to the floor. Um, what you can do is only touch down to maybe a pad or a mat of some sort, like uh, like a rolled up yoga mat or a rolled up towel. Or if you have access to AirX pads, we love AirX pads. Um, sometimes we'll use two AirX pads or three AirX pads where we tap the knee down and it's such less range of motion for them to control, it makes it a lot easier for them to control. So that's one, reducing the range of motion. And number two would be um, uh, providing a little bit of a, um, a, a less less challenge, basically. So let's say you're getting you're doing a reverse lunge where your feet are together, you take a long stride back, and you lunge, and you tap your knee down, and you come back forward. That's traditionally most people's lunge, right? That or forward. That or forward, yeah. What you can do is just have your feet be in a split stance to begin with, and then just go up and down from there. So that means that you're not having to travel and making it dynamic, but making it a more of a static movement. Um, and then the other option is you can keep it static or you can keep the reverse lunge movement and hold on to something like a pole or we like to use TRX handles because they're a little bit more free flowing. But these are just some ways that you can modify the exercise to make it a little bit um, less challenging. And then as you get more and more proficient with it, you get a lot more practice with it, then you can start to add in more range of motion or you can start to add in more of that dynamic motion or you can let go of TRX handles or whatever that's supporting you. Um, and then over time, you'll be doing lunges in no time. I think uh, people just like to jump to the popular exercise or jump to the most progressed exercise form of that exercise because they think that they should and that doing anything else means that they're weak or not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's there's you, there's no such thing as that. You're just following the right progression and you're just setting up setting yourself up for success in the long term yeah um i have something remind me i want to come back to something on that but before i do um just we're going to talk about progressive overload later in this episode Mm -hmm. and we usually talk about it in terms of adding weight but it can also be talked about in terms of taking away 
um, assistance. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing in, in this kind of case, if you're, say you are using um, a TRX, for example, to help to support you while you're doing your reverse lunge, you can start by having two hands, like one hand on each handle of the TRX mm, and true. you're doing reverse lunges. And then once you feel a little bit more comfortable, maybe you do that for two weeks, you go to one hand. So now you're just holding it with one hand and then you go to like two fingers on the TRX. So you're, you have less of an assistance from it. And then finally you take the whole assistance away. Um, it's like training wheels almost. Like, yeah. It's like you taking those steps in order to eventually be able to do the thing that's a little bit harder. Um, but progressive overload, like that's another form of progressive overload. It's just kind of like in a different That's true. Manner. Yeah, different yeah. fashion, yeah. Um, and then I was just going to say about your, your previous point, um, I've found myself with certain things, um, having to remind myself that I did just have a baby. Um, <laughs> and so like for core exercises, for instance, there's, I've been taking kettlebell classes on Saturdays and there's, there have been a couple challenging core exercise variations like hollow holds and different, um, just some different variations that I know I'm not ready for, but I know I've been able to do in the past. And so I've, I've had to play that game with myself of like, just because you could do this before, just because everyone else <laughs> in the class is doing it doesn't mean that it's the right thing for you to do. And so I have gone back to, I just do the, my like, pelvic floor PT exercise, the, the yeah. core exercise that I got from my physical therapist, because I know that's what's actually good for me. And so sometimes you do have to separate yourself from what you're seeing around you or from what you think you should be able to do and just do the thing that's right for you. So I definitely, I, I feel anybody out there who's dealing with that because I'm currently dealing with it as well. Yeah. I mean, we as coaches like get the same sort of feelings as well. And it just helps to get some outside perspective, like you got it from your pelvic floor PT. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was really trying to get into a handstand, like the thing that I would always just keep doing is try to kick up into a handstand and inevitably fail. And you would show me various drills and progressions and regressions and stuff like that that um, actually helped me to get closer to a handstand rather than just banging my head against the wall <laughs> by trying to do the handstand. Or like when I was learning how to do golf, like all I wanted to do was just go and just slam the driver as hard as I could. And my uh, my golf instructor was like, no, well, let's let's start with the nine iron. Uh, and I was like, nine? What, what even is a nine iron? And I guess it's just like an like a, it, the surface head of the club is much greater, so it's easier to hit and make sure that you get good mechanics out of that rather than the driver, which I guess is shaped a little bit differently and is better for driving long distances, but only after you have good mechanics. And I was like, fine. Sounds really familiar, <laughs> but fine. <laughs> yeah, so we all go through it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully those, those various tips will help improve lunge stability. Mm -hmm. So... Moving on to question number two, this one's from ChaChang22, <laughs> um, and they asked, how do you recommend transitioning from traditional strength to power or Olympic lifts? Mm. So um, basically asking, how do you transition from like using dumbbells and maybe kettlebells to actually using the barbell for power lifts? Power lifts are squat, bench, and deadlift, and Olympic lifts are snatch and clean and jerk. Yes. This is a really good question, and I'm sure like a lot of people actually have a similar question. Maybe they've been doing like reverse lunges and goblet squats and they've been doing rows and dumbbell, dumbbell presses. presses. Yeah. <laughs> and now they're getting into a, a point where they're like, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm ready for the barbell, but I don't really know how to quite progress to that point. Um, and really, I, I would really recommend getting at least a couple training sessions with a coach to go over the power lifts or the Olympic lifts. They're just... It'll just help out so much to ingrain some good habits and good mechanics first, um, just like we did for um, like 
handstands and golf and PT, whatever. Like it just helps to get a little bit more of an outside professional's opinion on how you can optimize your form. Um, But beyond that, the principles that we always use with our members is to really slow things down as much as possible. So we like to use a lot of tempo work. So we like to use things like if someone is doing a back squat with their bar on their back, we might have them incorporate a really slow five second lower down as they come down and then a normal tempo on the way back up. Or we might have them pause at the bottom or we might have them do that five second tempo on the way up. Whatever like variation we think is going to help that person out the most. We don't push weight whatsoever and we don't use cues like try to rip the floor as hard as, rip the barbell <laughs> off the floor as hard as possible or grip as tight as you can. What we try to do first and foremost foremost is just to ingrain good habits, good mechanics by slowing things down and making sure that the person feels really comfortable, really stable and sturdy throughout the entirety of the movement. Because if you feel a little bit off balance or a little bit shaky at all, what you'll tend to do is grip harder and hold your breath and make the movement really quick. And that tends to hide a lot of these, um, uh, you know, not optimal, optimal. yeah, less than (laughs) optimal patterns. Um, than we'd like to see. So we always like to slow things down with different tempos, pauses, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for that's like once you get to the barbell, right? So, yeah. So in terms of transitioning like from traditional like dumbbell work to the barbell, we like to have experience with the movement patterns that you're going to be doing with the barbell with dumbbells first, just mm-hmm. because it, dumbbells are a little bit more forgiving. Um, the barbell is one straight line like you can't actually you kind of have to contort your body to the barbell right? yes yeah um whereas dumbbells kind of allow for a little bit more freedom of motion and so because the main lifts are the squat bench and deadlift we definitely always have people start with goblet squats with a dumbbell um bench press or dumbbell dumbbell chest press on a bench and then kettlebell deadlifts yeah. um and i think that just ingraining those movement patterns with objects that are a little bit more forgiving and also that aren't as heavy is going to be really, really important. So making sure that you take those steps first. And then once you do, when you go to the barbell, like use the same amount of weight on the bar as you were using with Mm -hmm. the dumbbell. So it's not going to feel, you're not just going to all of a sudden load up the bar with 45 pound plates on each side. Like if you were doing, if you're holding two uh, 25 pound weights for chest press then put 50 pounds on the bar like don't don't worry about like now that you're using a barbell you have to put big plates on or anything like that like (laughs) just go go like make it that gradual progression from the weights that you were using um but now you're just doing it with a barbell yeah it shouldn't feel that overwhelming because you're already comfortable with the movement definitely yeah yeah i mean what we do is when we teach uh, any of the barbell lifts we'll say um you know okay person a you you recently just did um a kettlebell deadlift from the floor uh, last workout. Now we're gonna move on to a barbell. Usually you move on to a trap bar, but let's say you only have access to a barbell. We'd say the same thing. We're gonna use the same exact form. We're gonna still hinge your hips back. We're still going to use most of our posterior chain rather than trying to use our quads and stuff like that. Um, But now this time your hands are on the outsides and we just make it as comfortable of a movement for them as possible. Yeah. And uh, just relate it back to what they were doing previously. So yeah, definitely good to just ingrain those patterns so that you don't go to the bar and start to like panic a little bit or get anxious. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, in terms of going to Olympic lifting, that's a whole different story. Yeah, that's the, that's definitely a different <laughs> ball game because you can't like, you can't really slow down the Olympic lifts right. all that much, um, especially the second half of the movement where you're really trying to 
um, ballistically move the barbell up towards the air. Um, but the places where we do end up pausing are that initial pulling off the ground. So we'll have people pause with the barbell like an inch above the ground. We'll have people pause right at their knee, slightly above their knee, and just utilize these different sorts of pauses to ingrain really solid mechanics. And then from there, we'll tell them, okay, now you, you kind of have to lift fast um, and we can review it afterwards after that. Um, but yeah, for Olympic lifting, definitely need a coach. It's yeah. just, it's too nuanced, too nuanced of a movement. And th there's so many things that you could optimize that uh, you want separate eyes on you. But for powerlifting, I think you can, you can do it solo, um, especially just like watching YouTube videos. Like we have a bunch of YouTube videos and our Instagram channel, like you can kind of like get it. But uh, Olympic lifting is a different story. Yeah, and I think if you're interested in Olympic lifting, it's because you're interested in learning something. Um, True. You know, like there is not... Olympic lifting is just really fun. Um, but it's not necessarily... Unless you're an athlete, it's not necessary for someone's like fitness journey. Totally, yeah. Right? So I think a lot of people... And it's become a lot more popularized with CrossFit. And so maybe more and more people are like, oh, maybe I should be doing that. Yeah. Um, but it's not really that necessary. Like if you're just looking to become stronger, healthier, like generally more fit person, you, you don't have to Olympic lift. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Olympic lifting is, is a sport in its own. So it's almost like saying, I want to learn golf or I want to learn swim to swim or something like that. Like if you want to learn or I want to learn gymnastics, like you wouldn't just start doing it. You would yeah. go hire someone. And so I think that that's the difference is that Olympic weightlifting is an actual sport and it has... Like there are coaches that coach specifically Olympic weightlifting um, as opposed to trainers coach general strength training, right? Yeah. So it's very, very specific um, and it's very difficult to learn and it's really fun and rewarding when you do, but definitely don't take it lightly. Don't just kind of pick up a barbell and start throwing it around. Try to find someone who really knows what they're, what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, if you are, you know, most people listening are just like kind of like your, you know, average gym goer, right? And mm -hmm. so if that's the case... We always recommend starting with the power lifts, the general compound lifts with the barbell before thinking about Olympic lifts because mm -hmm. they share similar principles. Like some Olympic lifts, it's just so much faster and you can really quickly ingrain bad habits that way. Yeah. Um, I think for like kids first starting out, I think they're so mobile and so bendy and flexible that um, they can they can go right to the barbell, the, the Olympic lifts. But I think uh, for everyone else, I, I like this progression of power lifts into Olympic lifts. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. And then our third question is from Shriya Don 13. And she said, how can I progressively overload the right way? So this is a great question. Yeah. So just to, you want to just like explain progressive overload first? Oh yeah. So progressive overload, we've talked about it a, a bunch of times in this podcast, but basically your goal for training, as long as you want to continue to push and get better and rather than maintain is to increase qualities of your training. And so what you can do is increase the amount of sets and reps you're doing. You can increase the amount of weight that you're using. You can increase the amount of range of motion. You can increase tempo. You can increase technique even, something as uh, broad as that. Um, but there's like anything that you can do to do more of basically is the end goal because you want to try to keep striving to push further and further if you want your body to have a reason to continue continue to adapt and make gains and so a lot of the big mistake that we see a lot of times people just kind of like at your normal gym 
is they do the same workout over and over again. They jump on the elliptical for 30 minutes at the same pace, the same incline, day in and day out. And even if you do that five, six, seven times a week, your body quickly adapts to that same stimulus. So you have to do something a little bit different. Maybe you have to go faster. Maybe you have to go on a steeper incline. Maybe you have to be on it for longer. Something needs to change in order for your body to realize that it has to adapt, right? Right, yeah. So that's progressive overload. increasing some quality about your training um, to basically make your body adapt. Yeah, and then there's kind of different ways to do it systematically Mm -hmm. um, in order to kind of see the best results and also to not, like you can't just forever increase the weight or forever (laughs) increase the amount of distance that you run, right? So like there's a certain point where just increasing the same um, quality is, you you just can't do it anymore. And so there's kind of some ways to systematically progressively overload so that you don't get to the point where you're just like burnt out and can't go any further. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah. Otherwise we'd all be lifting a thousand, 2000 pounds. Right. Um, and so you have to be a little more systematic with it. And, and the, the more advanced that you get, all right, we're going to pause for a second. Kendrick started crying again. (laughs) Okay. We're back. Kendrick's with us this time. So again, you might hear some coos and all that sort of baby noise stuff, but, uh, the show must go on. So uh, I think we were just talking about how if if we were all to just progressively overload linearly forever, we'd all be lifting you know millions and millions of pounds, right? right. And so then it, there has to be some sort of like systematic way that you can um, progress. And the way you want to look at it is you don't want to after a certain point you don't want to increase every single time you're at the gym, but think of it more of a in the grand scheme of things, have I been improving? Have I been doing something to improve, mm-hmm. right? And so it doesn't have to be from workout to workout. You know, it doesn't have to be even from week to week. It can start being from month to month that I make some sort of progress with my workouts. And you have like Olympians that are literally thinking from year to year, from every four years to every four years is something improving. Yeah. Um, so the more elite you get, those timetables get more and more spread out. But for your average person at the gym, the easiest way to really do it is either increasing um, the amount of repetitions or increasing the amount of weight. So if you did reverse lunges, let's take the theme of this episode, reverse lunges for three sets of eight body weight, maybe the next week what you can do is three sets of 10. Maybe the next week you do three sets of 12. Um, After about 12, we like to add in a little bit more weight. So maybe the next week after that, you can do three sets of eight again, but with some dumbbells, maybe five pound dumbbells. And then you repeat that process, and then after a few weeks, you go uh, 10 pound dumbbells. And you kind of like, there, there's a number of ways you can do this, but uh, that's one of the ways that we like to um, show some sort of progressive overload in that regard. Yeah. And so we, and then the other thing is like that, that helps with progressive overload is having a program that you're following. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you're just doing random workouts every time you go into the gym, it's harder to track that's your true. progress. So, number one for like, tracking this and, and understanding progressive overload is making sure that you're following a program that has like a it's anywhere from four to six weeks of consistency of some yes. consistency in the exercises that you're doing um then that way you can progressively overload those exercises so if every monday you're doing a workout that has like jason said reverse lunges and um dumbbell chest presses and kettlebell deadlifts and uh, in a dumbbell row, like all of those four exercises can be progressed week to week mm-hmm. every every Monday. And then on 
Wednesday, you have a different workout that you're doing and you're progressing those exercises week to week. So yeah. it's much easier to follow, to do this following a program than going in and just saying like, um, okay, I think today I'll do some pull-ups. I think today I'll do some squats. And like, if you're not really sure when the last time you did that was, and you don't really know how much to progress by, yeah. it just gets a little confusing. So number one is following a program. Yeah. Once you're on a program, then like Jason was saying, you get to just increase the different variables so you can either increase but choose just one yeah variable mm -hmm. so either increase the reps like jason was saying or the weight or when you get more nuanced it can be like the tempo or different things technique. like that technique yeah yeah, yeah we have uh, you know we talked to people about having technical prs like when somebody has already gotten so strong and they're doing th like it's it becomes really really difficult to continue adding weight to the bar when you're like at 90% of your max and you know, and you've, you've built up this really heavy weight. Um, we can have a technical PR, meaning it might not be the most weight you've ever lifted, but it's the best form you've ever done with yep. that weight. Yeah. And that's saying something too. And that's progress. So learning all the different ways that you can measure progress also opens up a lot of doors for you in terms of the, the options for progressive overload. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, if you're thinking about this more from like a barbell perspective, what we like to do is, add increments of anywhere from 2.5 pounds total to 10 pounds total per lift, depending on what kind of lift it is. So maybe if it's an upper body lift, like a bench press or a military press, maybe you might add even 1.25 pounds on each side as your way to progressively overload. Whereas a squat or a deadlift, you might add five to 10 pounds or more um, to progressively overload your lift. Um, the different types of lifts demand different types of uh, progression basically and bench press usually and then in military press usually needs more of a micro progression um, whereas squat and a deadlift tends to yield itself to a little bit more of a aggressive progression because there are so many more muscle groups involved yeah um, yeah I think that's about it cool yeah all right sweet well those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. And if you have more questions, you can send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram. And if you like the podcast and you wouldn't mind supporting us with a little iTunes review, we would be super grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.